0: The Lax Factor Podcast. What is up, college lacrosse fans? You're watching the 88th episode of the Lax Factor Lacrosse Podcast. Today is the weekend preview show. We are going to talk about a boatload of lacrosse. We're going to talk Villanova at Penn, Georgetown at Towson, Hostra at Ohio State. Uh, Stony Brook at Bryant, Denver at Notre Dame, Duke at Loyola, Cuse at Hopkins, Rutgers at Princeton, Albany at Maryland, Yale at Michigan, Penn State at Cornell. That is a lot of lacrosse to sneak into this show here. Before I get into it, as always, be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, and then go to laxfactor.com. You can get yourself some swag, t-shirts. We have all sorts of t-shirts, and we're building on that every single day. And then a little bit from our sponsor, Sideline Swap, best place by far to buy and sell lacrosse gear, hard-to-find college gear, pre-owned heads, shafts, helmets, and more, up to 70% off. So go to sidelineswap.com or click the link in the description below. So let's dive right into all this crap. We have number 14 Villanova at three and two against number nine Penn. Penn is hosting this game. Matchups here to watch. Villanova has struggled to win faceoffs, and Penn does not struggle to win faceoffs. Kyle Gallagher has been excellent for Penn. He's coming off a great game against a very good Gerard Arceri. Uh Currently, overall, Gallagher's sitting at 59% at the dot uh, in terms of draws won. I expect him to be 65% or up or above uh, against Nova, and that's going to be a huge factor, and it could end up being the margin in this game. The reason that Villanova has been able to win games, even tough games, despite losing. Face offs by a margin has been Patrick Kennedy. He's forced nine turnovers, picked up 18 ground balls for Villanova. Uh, so uh, against Maryland, he had a, a goal, four caused turnovers, and four ground balls. So Penn- Kennedy has been really tough. For Nova. Uh Nova on offense. Connor Kirst 13 and 7. Keegan Khan eight and nine. So they can score goals. They can they can run with anybody. What it comes down to for them is winning face-offs and playing solid D as a team. Uh poor Wilviton in cage or Wilveton in Cage for um Villanova, 48% right now, but he has played a tough schedule. I expect him to finish a season in the area 55, 58, maybe even better. 48% through their first five, though. Facing Penn State, Yale, Maryland, Hofstra, all teams that can score, and even Delaware can score goals. So, uh, Penn is no different. So, Vitone, expect for this to be another rough outing for him. Not in the sense that he won't do well, he's going to make some really big saves in this game, but just it's a, Penn isn't a, a great offensive team. For Penn, Lully's been great, 12-9, and nine, Dylan Gergar, 9-4, and four, and they've got the usual suspects filling out be- below them, and Birkinshaw, like Vitone, has struggled in cage. Birkinshaw's sitting at 37% coming into this game, but... Once again, he's played Penn State, Duke, and Maryland so far, so all teams that could fill it up. But if he wants to hold on to his starting job, this is the game he needs to get himself to 50%, or I would start to question whether or not he's the guy to uh, fill the void and cage for Penn this season. Uh, The line, we're setting this one uh, Penn by three and honestly, it's, this is a tough one. I think that three is a pretty good margin Villanova could certainly cover. Uh, the problem's going to be at the face-off dot. If they get smoked on face-offs, that's the margin, and you could end up seeing Penn by four or five. I'm going to go out on a limb on this one and say that Penn is going to handle their business. They're going to win face-offs, and they're going to score goals. So if I was taking this bet, I would take Penn at minus three for this one. Uh, next game. Quick one. Georgetown, number 12, uh, 5-0 at Towson. It's going to be, uh, I don't think it's going to be a bloodbath, but I think Georgetown's going to certainly win by a margin. Caraway, 29 points. Watson and Clark for Georgetown, both at 22. They're going to feast against a struggling Towson. Uh, mostly, like I said, Towson's defense is tough, but when teams can't play offense, a la Johns Hopkins, it ends up making their defense struggle as well. Owen oh, McElroy in cage for Georgetown. He's been stopping the ball at a 62% clip. Granted, it's been against weak opponents, but Towson isn't strong. So we set the line at this one at G town at five and a half. And I think that's probably a good line. And if I had to pick, I'm taking, I'm probably taking G town at minus five and a half here on this one. If I was placing that bet next game, Hofstra three and two at number 19, Ohio state. They're also sitting at three and two. Both of these teams can score goals both of these teams have been inconsistent on defense. At the dot, Brian Herber for Hostra has been winning him at a 61.9% clip. He's going to have to play really well against Inasio, who's coming off a 30 for 37 outing against Cornell. Herber should do far better than that. Uh, simply because he's a better face-off man than what Cornell was throwing out there at Anasio. But he's going to have to do better than that, because if he doesn't, uh, Hofstra is not the offensive team that Cornell is. They'll have a hard time getting over the hump if they get murked that badly at the face-off dot. Uh, I think that in in general, assuming that Herber handles his business and can even keep those face-offs at 60-40 in favor of, of Ohio State, I think the difference here is going to be LeClaire, Reed, and Myers. These guys can score goals. LeClaire is just an absolute beast. I don't think Hofstra is going to have an answer for him. Uh, so they're going to co- cause Hofstra fits. that trio is on defense. Kersan for Ohio State, he's been very good in cage, 58% so far, and he's been better than Bobby Casey for Hofstra at 48%. So that's another difference in this game. So we set the line, Ohio State, by three. If I was taking this bet, I would take Ohio State at minus three. Because I think that when you look at all of the important pieces and all the, the the matchups that that Ohio or Hofstra would have to win to win this game, I think they're a little bit outmatched just in terms of the matchups, the faceoff dot, and uh, in cage, and then offensively, uh, Hofstra has weapons, but Ohio State has more weapons. So I think that's the difference in this game. Next one, we'll do this one real quick. Stony Brook 5 and 1, Bryant 2 and 3. It was interesting because Stony Brook's been playing really well, but Stony Brook's needed OT 3 times to beat St. John's Brown and Sacred Heart. The good news is they're beating They're winning their games. You know, they're winning their non-conference games before they get into America East play. The bad news is they're barely beating some teams that, you know, if you were a really good team, you would hope you would beat by a little bit of a margin. They don't dominate any stat. I was trying to find some kind of glaring stat that sticks out that would tell us why are they five and one. Did not look like a five and one team in the stat sheet. Uh, their cumulative stats across the first six games are all pretty even. Uh, the one stat that stuck, uh, stood out, they're putting 29% of their shots on cage and forcing their opponents into just 25% of their shots on cage. That could be because they're playing good, pesky defense, or it could just be that they've been playing lesser opponents. Uh, but they are forcing turnovers as well, but then they're also turning the ball over as well. But either way, they're playing tough, they're winning games, and uh, they're simply outscoring the other team, which is what you're supposed to do. So I Say Bryant can score goals, but their defense and goalkeeping has been a little shaky. So Stony Brook by three and a half. If I was taking this bet, I would take Bryant to cover. I think that Stony Brook has not put teams away yet. And I think Bryant is good enough that they're going to hang. So if it was me, I would Bryant covering in this one, I think, is just about the upset. I think Stony Brook could very easily beat them by five or six, maybe more, but I think that Bryant's going to be pesky. They're going to play tough in this game. They're at home. So I'd take Bryant to cover in this. Uh uh, let's see here. Next one. Number 17, Denver, sitting at three and two. Number 10, Notre Dame at two and one. This is going to be the battle of the offenses, the battle of the defenses. What's really going to come down to here is who's going to score more goals. Both of these teams, I think, are, are very evenly matched. I think the difference, once again, Leonard at the faceoff dot is solid. I think that he's probably going to win and have the slight edge there. I think defensively, Notre Dame, a little bit deeper defensively, and then offensively, Uh Probably Notre Dame has the edge here, but the kicker being uh, Denver is a very well coached team, and uh, you know they're 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 going to be hungry for a win in this one. I've got the line set here at Notre Dame by two, and if I were taking this bet, I would take Notre Dame at at, at minus two. Because I think that they'll probably as after I set this one, I was like, uh, man, the reality here is Notre Dame will probably win this by four or five, but it just you can never count Denver out, especially when they're really hungry and when they're in need of a win. Denver does not want to drop to three and three here um, because uh, the Big East isn't terrible. you know, their conference isn't terrible. Number thirteen, Duke, four and two, uh, at number eleven, Loyola, four and one. Now this one. I am probably the oddball here. A lot of people like Loyola in this game, partly because defensively Loyola is experienced and Duke offensively is young. So when you look at these matchups, it's like, ah, veteran defense versus a young offense. But Williams and Caputo and Duke in general has started to figure it out. That number two midline, I think they need to become the number one midline. And heaven forbid, you know, if that number one midline ever figures things out for Duke and they end up having two ridiculously solid midlines, all bets are off for the Blue Devils. I mean, they're 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 end up back in the quarterfinals. That second midline has played tough. They've been the saving grace for Duke here for sure this season. So if that number one midline ever figures it out, and I think this may be the game that they're going to, Duke is going to start beating teams by a margin. Um... I think that Loyola has looked great post uh, Spencer and Scanlon. I think that Loyola Duke's issue is definitely between the pipes Loyola, They've had good defense, and their goalkeeper has been better than expected. Schaefer, he's been playing a little bit better than expected between the pipes. I think Schaefer's a junior, um, but he's been a solid keeper. Lindley, 17 goals and an assist. Olmstead, 10 and 11. So offensively, Loyola Loyola has figured out who their guys are. We kind of already knew who their guys were, but they're uh, anchoring the offense. And then on defense, Loyola has been strong. I think overall, Loyola has overachieved. Uh, I predicted that they would be a really solid team, but I'm still... Still setting the line for this one at Duke by three and a half, simply because I think Duke is figuring it out. We're once again in March. They're going on the road playing at Loyola, and I'm almost picking this as kind of a trap game for Loyola because Loyola's coming in thinking we've got a shot, maybe even a little bit favored. Duke probably coming in a little bit angry, dropping out of the top 10. They're sitting at four and two. They've played some close games that they didn't want to play. They lost to Air Force, they didn't want to lose that. So I'm thinking an angry Duke beats Loyola by three and a half goals is the line here. If I was taking this bet, I'd take Loyola to cover. I'd take Loyola at plus three and a half all day long, but do not be the least bit surprised to see Duke come out and roll them by four or five, six goals. Next one, and this is a big one this weekend. I say it's a big one because I'm a Cuse fan, but it is a big one for Cuse and Hopkins, is number one Cuse 4-0 at Johns Hopkins sitting at one and three. Now Hopkins is going to have a hard time defending Syracuse. 13 of 17 assisted goals in the UNC game. In the UNC game, they scored 17, 13 of them were assisted. In the Princeton game, they scored 18 goals, 11 of them assisted. So Hopkins, they're having a hard time covering people and they're having a hard time off ball. That is a recipe for disaster on defense. And then couple that with goaltenders that aren't playing well. The Hopkins defense has been rough. However, the Hopkins offense is one of the reasons that defense has struggled so badly. I feel like the defense has kind of overperformed a little bit considering their predicament and that because the offense has also struggled terribly, that's just compounded those defensive issues for Hopkins. Quo Williams, 6-5, Forey Smith and Evan Zinn, both at 6-3, uh, and three. Epstein and Simone at 3-3. Three and three. Now Epstein, he had 2-2 two and two last week. That's his highest scoring output so far, so... I think this game is going to be closer than some people think it is simply because every week I'm assuming that is, that's going to be the week that Epstein feels better and gets closer to hundred percent and then puts up some serious ass points. Syracuse though, Scanlon 13 and four, Tromboli 13 and two, Curry 12 and three, Rafe is two and 11, Dordovic seven and four, Porter and Cage at 56%. They may get Mellon back. I'm not sure. I haven't heard anything, but I did see a tweet or a, a Instagram post by Mellon kind of implying that he's at least feeling better than he is going to be playing the season, obviously. So I'm wondering if this will be the game that Mellon comes back. the The, the Syracuse defense, they've given up points but they've also forced some turnovers. DiPietro, six caused turnovers. Kennedy, five caused turnovers, and Porter's been strong in net. The Syracuse ride has been insanely formidable. Griffin Cook forcing seven turnovers so far. Rafis, four caused turnovers in the ride game. So Syracuse is going to put all that to practice and good use in this game this weekend. Keys for Hopkins, how does Epstein feel? As I keep saying, the healthier he is, the better Hopkins gets. If this is the game that he's back, this is going to be a closer game than people think. As with every Syracuse game so far this season, uh, it has potential to be close going into the fourth quarter. I think that Fop at the faceoff dot, he's sitting at 69%, Varello at 61 Proudy Prouty for Hopkins has been tough at 61, so I think that matchup is going to be key. Can Prouty keep himself at that 50? Can he make these faceoffs 50-50? That will bode well for Hopkins. They want to try to keep possession away from Syracuse, um, so that's going to be huge. Watch the faceoff dot in this game. Is always one of the big differences that going to be the Syracuse midfield, specifically that first midfield line. And the second midfield line needs to kind of take their heads out of their butts. They played poorly the last two games, so they need to do a little bit better. And then the Cuse attack, I think, is going to be able to find defensive matchups. They're going to be able to find off ball situations and they're going to be able to create points and transition off the ride game. So I think Cuse is going to score 18 goals. I think the Cuse defense is going to be able to keep Hopkins under 13. So I picked Cuse by four and a half. I would only almost take cues at minus four and a half for this one. But as if Epstein's feeling better, once again, that's where it's all bets are off. We're at Homewood. Uh, Hopkins needs a win badly. They are a wounded dog. So I like Hopkins to cover if Epstein's healthy, but if Epstein's still not himself, probably they don't end up being able to do that. Rutgers two and three at number three, Princeton 4-0. I think this game's going to be closer than some people think. It's a rivalry game. I think that Princeton at some point going to have to you know play down a little bit, and so far they have been playing up. Mike Sowers is 13-29, 42 points over four games, over under for points for this game. One of our prop bets is Sowers at eight and a half points. I'd take the over on that in this one. Princeton, solid goalie play out of Peters, 53%. They've defended the ball well so far this season. Rutgers, they're in the Middle of a three-game skid, so that's rough for them. Charlambees and Mullins are as good as anyone, but they've struggled defensively and they've had a hard time outscoring teams, even though they can score goals. I pick, we picked uh, Skatus and I Princeton by four in this one, and that's a tough one. If I'm taking this bet, I'm going to take Princeton at minus four, but, but. Rutgers could keep this interesting. Uh, It is a rivalry game and traditionally these teams play each other really tough. So you might want to take Rutgers to cover, but I would personally take Princeton at minus four simply because I think Sowers once again is going to go bonkers and Rutgers just isn't going to have an answer for him, just like nobody else has had an answer for him yet this season. Albany, two and two at number seven, Maryland, four and one. Wisnowskis, 28 points. Bernhardt, 23 points and company. They're going to be too good. For Albany overall, despite Albany seemingly starting to play a little bit better, they're getting better play in there in the cage. They're getting a little bit better play defensively, and Nanakoke is gelling and playing like a monster. Five goals against UMass, five and three against Harvard. I'm delighted to see him playing well like that, letting the game come to him, scoring in opportunities, getting rid of the ball when those doubles come. He's been playing really well the last two games. He's been playing better this season. It's just starting to click in terms of point production for him now. He, uh, he had four, he had 10 and he's 10 and three over the last two games and 14 and seven total. So that gives you an idea of how well he's done these last two games. doesn't matter though. Maryland is way better than Albany is all across every third of the field. It doesn't matter where you're looking at it. So I'm picking Maryland by five and a half in this one. And honestly, honestly, if I'm taking this bet, I'm taking Maryland at minus five and a half. I think they're going to cover that. Number five, Yale two and one at Michigan three and two. Yale is angry and you don't want to play an angry Yale. TD is going to merc Michigan at the faceoff dot. The Yale attack are going to have some matchup, matchups. Brandau, I think, is going to have a very big day against Michigan, and I don't think Michigan's going to be able to defend the quickness of Brandau, and that's going to open things up for everybody. Uh, Yale's main thing, they need to find some consisten- consistency in cage, and they need to find some consistency with their mids overall. Their mids are playing better than even I expected them to, but they'll need them to continue to develop. In this one, Yale by five and a half. I take Yale uh, at minus five and a half on that one. If I'm taking this bet, number two, Penn State. This is possibly one of the biggest games of the weekend. Hey, let's go out on a limb. Let's call this the game of the week. Penn State at Cornell. Not really at Cornell. They're playing it in North Carolina, but Cornell is listed as the as the home team. They're not playing at North Carolina. They're playing in North or South Carolina or something like that. At one of the one of the showcases. So. Uh, this is going to be a battle. And the difference here, once again, I keep saying it, but this is the truth. The difference is going to be at the face-off dot. Cornell coming off an absolute murking in their face-off game. One of the reasons Cornell had a hard time last year in the Ivy, they couldn't win face-offs. They did not win face-offs last week and got absolutely destroyed by Inacio. And Inasio, a top guy, but he is not the top guy. Arseri. Could potentially do exactly what Inasio did to Cornell. He's that good as well. So if they can't handle the faceoffs and if Arsari mercs them in any manner in a similar way to what Inasio did, this game is going to go off the rails for Cornell. But, but I think Cornell's going to figure it out. I think they're going to figure out ways with a week to prepare to disrupt. The face off game a little bit, but that's going to be the key in this game if if they get murked at the face off dot, then I would definitely take Penn State by a margin in this one, uh, but you can never count Piatelli donville long um, uh, Fletcher, you name it these guys have got Cornell's offense is very formidable, so if they can manage to face off at all and get possessions, force some turnovers on the Penn State side a little bit, get some saves out of Erlin. They can make a game out of this, but I think that face-off disparity is going to be too much for Cornell to overcome in the end, And uh, but they'll go balls out trying. Uh, the kicker in this one, and I don't actually, as I'm saying this out loud, I really don't like the spread. I'd almost wager to bet that it's going to be beyond this, but we took Penn State by two and a half. If I'm taking this bet, I'm taking Penn State at, at minus two and a half all day long. If, if, if the face-off Game goes poorly for Cornell. Penn State is not Ohio State. If if they lose 30 or 37 face-offs here, A, there's not going to be that many face-offs because Cornell's going to have a hard time scoring if they can't get the ball. But if Penn State is able to keep the ball away from the Cornell offense and put it in their offensive side of the field, Cornell is not equipped defensively to stop them, and Cornell is not going to be equipped Um, defensively or or, or, they're not going to be able to overcome that faceoff loss is pretty much what I'm trying to ramble about here. So hopefully Cornell figures that out. Hopefully they figure out a way to disrupt our because Amat, O'Keefe and company, Folds, you name it, they're going to feast if they get 30 possessions off the faceoff dot the way that Ohio State did. And that is it. That's the show. That was a lot of games that we talked about I forget what our other prop bets off are. You can go to our Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter pages to, to see the full list of all the lines and the prop bets. As always, you can go to laxfactor.com, watch these videos there, buy some swag. We have t-shirts, hats, all sorts of cool lacrosse gear that you can buy there. And then you can visit our sponsor, Sideline Swap, best place to buy and sell lacrosse gear by far. Go to sidelineswap.com or click the link in the description below. As always, continue to share this video, share it, like it, do all of those good things. We will be back over the weekend. We'll probably put a video or two out just talking about random stuff, but come back Monday and Tuesday for our recap shows. And uh, we'll try to be long. What we'll probably do is recap Saturday shows Monday and any uh, Saturday's games Monday and Sunday's games on Tuesday is how it's been working out. So as always, thank you for watching. Hoost is out.